This is Irish Stephen Bear from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to The Shuttle Pod. You lucky sons of bitches. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shuttle Pod. This is episode 48, and it is May 1st, 2018. It's finally uh, feeling like spring here on the East Coast. I am Brian Drew, and I am joined by Mr. Jared Whitley. Thank you for welcoming me aboard, Captain. (laughs) My pleasure. And Matt Wright. Welcome back, Matt. Permission to come aboard, Captain. <laughs> Permission granted. Since we're gonna go with this theme, let's go. <laughs> like, yeah, let's run with it. Right? Let's run with it. Okay. Let's down on it. <laughs> okay. All right. So we've climbed onto the shuttle pod. Indeed, we yes, have. We have. <laughs> Thrusters on full. So anyway, we uh, we did a, a newsy episode the last time, and we actually had a plan today to do something completely different. But there's been a lot more things happening in the past few weeks. And we thought we would talk about that. There's been things involving Discovery. There's been things involving the film, current film franchise. Mm-hmm. And we even have a little bit of a an editorial we want to do at the end regarding the original series. So <laughs> stand by for that. So anyway, our first order of business is some Discovery news. We found out about two, two and a half weeks ago, something along those lines, that... That comedian Tig Notaro was cast as the chief engineer of the USS Hiawatha, mm-hmm. which is going to be obviously some sort of sister ship that we've never seen before that is part of Discovery. Uh, the character's name is Denise Reno, and we really don't know much more beyond that, do we? Nope, we don't. We just know the name and the position. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, She's been around a while. Are, are we to assume that? because they've hired a, com- a comedian, that this would be more of like a comic relief type character. I, I kind of think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's okay. She's known for, you know, her dry humor and stuff, so I think it could work out as, a, you know, another in the line of sort of, you know, kind of humor and maybe self-deprecating engineers that we've sort of seen before. Right. So right. I think that could really work out. And, of right. course, the other question is, is, hmm, does she perhaps need to transfer to the Discovery since yes, Discovery yeah. needs a yeah. chief engineer? Well, it certainly, certainly we haven't seen a chief engineer yet, so maybe yeah. they need one. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it uh, echoes of uh, TNG's first season when it was like a revolving door of chief engineer. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they haven't done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they reminded me of that. You know, mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. like they sometimes these shows try not to have a chief engineer, and then they think they start the show, and then they realize, damn, we really do need a chief engineer. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> so, throughout season one, there was some chief engineer maintaining all the computer systems, the standard warp drive, all this stuff somewhere that we just never saw, right? I yeah, mean, somebody that you would think figure that. It had to be a chief engineer that Stamets was reporting to, theoretically, I would think. But Yeah, because Stamets is sort of doing his own thing. And sure, technically, in his, own, he's in his own lab. In his own lab. Yeah. That's off of yeah. engineering somewhere. That's not main engineering. Right. And, of course, yeah. like technically, he's a scientist. He's not chief engineer. And so it's like, okay, well, then somewhere, somewhere there's a chief engineer maintaining all the sort of standard legacy systems, you could say. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, so this is cool, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Like, I would like yeah. to see what this yeah. take on a chief engineer looks like, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I, I don't know Tig Notaro's work. I know of her, but I'm not particularly familiar with her comedy. I don't know if you guys have... No. Just just a little bit here and there. I remember seeing early stand-up of hers and things like that, but now I haven't yeah. seen tons. But, but in my experience, many comedians make excellent actors. Mm. <laughs> they it seem can, to have... It can happen. Gene. Yeah. It can. It can. So I think she'll be just fine. So that was the big casting news, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, we also found out in the past couple of weeks, Jonathan Frakes has a habit of revealing whatever he can possibly get away with when he goes to comp. Yeah, comp he likes mentions. he likes to be chatty. <laughs> yeah, he likes to be chatty. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's driving CBS's PR department nuts, but good for he him. um we do know that, you know, he's directing episode 2 and we've now found out that he's also directing the 10th episode of the season. Yep. Which he directed the 10th episode of season 1. So that's kind right. of interesting. There's a certain symmetry to mm-hmm. that, I suppose. Yeah. Um Jonathan as of this morning, is in Toronto. Yep. He just probably doing, Yeah, he's probably doing prep on his episode. We think the show is probably about to start shooting episode two. Yeah. Like in the next day or two. Yep. So, so he'll be he'll be cracking. Um, it looked like it took them a good two weeks to shoot the first episode of the season, it seems like. Yeah. It seems like so, it. Yep. Yeah. So episode two apparently will have Anson Mount in it playing christopher pike so that's good news that means he lasts beyond the premiere basically right right so he's i think good... we all kind of suspect yeah. that he would be in in several episodes so, yeah you, i think so you you weren't going to go through all the trouble of bringing the enterprise and christopher pike in and then not and then just be like you know show him for 20 minutes and go okay listen <laughs> it's been nice seeing you guys yeah yeah so the question yeah. becomes for for the future becomes does he stick around even after episode two or mm. You know, like how long yeah. does he stick around? We'll see. Yes, there's a certain speculation about what what they could actually do with Christopher Pike. But right. That's, so, so we'll be uh, watching Anson Mount's social media to see if he says he's done in Toronto or if he's still there in a couple weeks. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. And apparently sometime during the season, possibly in the Frakes episode, we will start seeing flashbacks to a young Michael Burnham. And a young Spock on Vulcan. Yes. Oh. This is a big deal. Shades of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. So we'll see them growing up together. So I don't know if that's the only time we're going to see Spock this season or if we're going to see him Yes. later they, on. They claim they won't recast adult Spock. Obviously, they have no problem with young Spock, but right. Right. We'll, we'll see. We, we'll talk about whose shoulder right. we saw coming up. Yes. And speaking of that, the big thing that's really happened in the past couple of weeks is that CBS finally released a video mm-hmm. that teases the production of season two, much like they did last year. Yep. They waited about a week, week and a half, got some footage, and then, you know, did these little teasy bits. Yes, indeed. Um, and so there's quite a bit to unpack in that video. Um, Matt, you want to walk us through it a little bit? Sure. So I think one of the first things that we kind of caught a glimpse of is, uh, well, the guy that we've been waiting for, at least from behind, is there's a little shot of of Anson Mount in uniform from behind. And I think that was the biggie that a lot of people were waiting to see is, well, what, you know, what does he look like? And what, what uniform might he be wearing? Right. And that was a big one, which is, of course, that 
they have done a discovery take on the classic three-colored uniform that we sort of see, um, that we come to see in the original series. Right. So um, you can see that it's got, it, it looks like they basically took a lot of the same, the, the same, um, you know, the same um so it's pattern. a similar cut. It's pattern. a similar cut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they took the same basically like seam, you know, seamstress like pattern. I think it might be a slightly different material. I can't tell, but it's the same basic pattern as the Discover one. You can see the shoulders have ribbing, like where there would be bands, but there aren't, thankfully. And you can see the elbow so sort of still has that different elbow material. There's a lot of stuff. So it's so it's derived from the Discovery one, but it's not. Thankfully, um, it's got. Um, bands to denote rank on the cuffs right. just like it should right. you know right it's the right it's got the three colors it's got a black collar instead of an um you know instead of the same color and asymmetrical it's got a fairly tos you know pointed collar and of course the insignia is no longer split and doesn't denote rank anymore because of course that's back on the sleeve where we'd expect it right. so they did that's a big deal this is sort of what everyone was holding their breath for i think which is We'd had a hint that maybe the Constitution class ships get these fancy uniforms because David Mack wrote in his book that they would get it, that the Constitution class ships get something special, basically. So um, then they did. Just kind of goofy, but yeah. 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 So, I mean, <laughs> they, they, just like in season one, there's that hint, there's a sort of hint when Burnham talks about how you work your way through the command track with Tilly. She makes it pretty clear that the Constitution class is like your ultimate goal. So I guess these, right. you know, the Connies are um, a little old compared to the Discovery, but they're, you know, the they're the heavy cruiser. They're the you the know, Connies. The is that a term, or did you just make that up? No, it's a term. People. That's ship, a shorthand. Yeah, that's ship a shorthand. People, people, ship people, people like it. Um, anyway. I don't like calling it that. I Sorry. Like it well, sounds like no. It's my no. It's my no. It's my own it personal Constitution class. It sounds like carnies, like oh, carnival. Well, no, fun. they're not carnies. They're not going to scan. They're not going to scan. Circus you folk. Money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> smell like cabbage. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Small um, hands. <laughs> so the Constitution class, in theory, is still the is the pride of the fleet, right? Like that's where you want to be. Um, so in, in keeping with the pride of the fleet, they get the nicest, newest uniforms, or and some such thing. Right. Right. So right. there we go. So, much rejoicing. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> clearly, definitely has a strong TOS flavor to it. Most definitely. So. And then, they teased us a little bit more, before we leave the Enterprise entirely and talk about what else they've got in store. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. started to tease us with a, you know, kind of, uh, I would say, a meld of the Discovery and almost a little bit of uh, the, the uh, motion picture style design of the of certain hallways they have a little kind of a maroon like reddish um striping and paneling to them mm-hmm. and so we were looking at that going huh and then burnham enters someone's quarters and then you get a good look at the id you know the sort of location number of these quarters right and sure enough it's it says 3f 125 1701 so these are definitely like the Enterprise quarters we're getting a little glimpse of. Hmm. Right. And and the three F dash one two five. Yes. More specifically Spock's quarters. That's right. That's a very famous person's quarters. So this raises all kinds of questions, especially when they said they weren't gonna recast 
Spock. And they said this repeatedly, by the way. We could never recast him. Well, okay, why are they... they, they they're sure going to tease him somehow if they're not actually going to show him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's walking into the quarters. I mean, I, it's possible, I suppose, she can go in there and speak to him. And then just never see it on camera. Yeah, yeah which is really lame. So, <laughs> it is really lame. And to go back to this early shot of Captain Pike that we have from mm-hmm. behind, there mm-hmm. are two other people just sort of barely in this in the frame that we can see. One of them is Burnham kind of trailing behind him. And then off to the side, kind of looking at them both, is the shoulder of... What appears to be a fairly tall, you know, thin science officer mm-hmm. in a in an Enterprise uniform. So no, it's not Saru. A very thin, tall kind of person. Um, not tall, yeah. tall, but you know, tall enough to be Spock. Let's say lanky, a lanky. lanky yes, thank you. Yeah, and uh, the kind of the right build to be a, a, a Spock actor. And, and and wait, and are, so are they just going to show him from like a three quarter shot and, from the behind? And that's what I'm sort of time. wondering. I'm, I'm wondering like, if they're going to do like this he's Doctor Claw from Inspector yeah. Gadget, and we never yes, get to exactly. see his face. <laughs> what is the point? <laughs> that, that's what I'm wondering is if they're going to be like, see, see, we're, we're keeping to our word that we didn't really recast Spock. Wink, wink, because we had a you know a stand-in stand there who looks vaguely like him, just, and you just see over his that- shoulder. Just get Zachary Quinto to do it, right? I mean, he's, that's he's, the wrong universe. Please don't mix the streams. But yes, why not? Yeah, that's right. Why not? Who cares? Just, he kind of looks like Leonard. Leonard anointed him he, to be his heir. He's, he's a he's good choice as far as that do. goes, but he can't really be in Discovery for the other reasons. It'd be yeah. very confusing to people. I guess or, so. Or, or maybe maybe they'll set it up in a way that it's Leonard Nimoy. Who knows? Oh God, the little digitally like face replace thing from a stand-in yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's the worst possibility in a way. We'll see what happens. So, but if they do that, that also means it's going to be brief because they sure won't want to use it right. to death. You know, they'll right. So, so maybe Burnham goes in, has a brief conversation, and all we really see is him standing there, and the door closes. You know what I mean? Like, right. We'll right. we'll find out. But anyway, so yes, Spock's quarters were teased. So, we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. And that was the end of the uh, kind of the. The Enterprise ETs, Enterprise yeah. stuff, yeah. And then there were, we saw blueprints. Yes, blueprints that were set set blueprints that were labeled Section Thirty One Bridge slash Lab. So yes, hmm, that's interesting. So they're they're definitely doubling down on that yes. little bit we saw at the end of you know that deleted scene we saw at the end of the season. Yeah, that... they're clearly going to run with that somehow. Now whether that portends. More Michelle Yeoh coming back and stuff like that. Who knows? But they're clearly taking this. They're going to work this angle somehow. They, yeah, they are. And they showed a a, a, a big set being constructed um, that I think was probably, although who knows because it's editing, that is likely this big Section 31 bridge slash lab that they showed a blueprint for. It's hard to say, but it doesn't look like any starship. Just what we can see of it, it doesn't look like any starship bridge I've seen. I think it's right, more lab-looking. Right. Um, as an aside, it looks like it's derived from the old Shenzo bridge. It looks like they've torn that apart because, of course, reusing everything is important. So, right. um, the other cool set that we got a look at the blueprint for, but not anything in, in uh, you know finished yet, was that um, Lorel is going to have quite a sprawling uh, layout on the Klingon homeworld. I assume mm-hmm. she has she has Lorel's chambers. And it includes like a garden spot and 
all kinds of you can see like some of the writing on, on what goes where and um from the writing we can also tell that this is a reuse of a bunch of the stuff that was originally the sarcophagus ship which then became right. the mm. uh Charon, you know the big uh mirror universe capital ship so yeah. they're i mean no kidding right that's the, that's the perfect thing to you know redress and reuse in some manner absolutely for for, for klingons because it started life as a klingon and morphed and it's going to morph again into another klingon set so there you go looks you know that's interesting looks exciting we'll see more klingons guys yeah well we knew we'd come back to laurel at some point because right they can't just leave yeah they no you couldn't just leave it i agree and we knew that mary chifo has said that she's coming back sometime now and in may at some point to shoot some scenes so Mm. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they adjust the klingon makeup a bit yeah, that would be interesting. We think, like we were talking about during season one, it kind of seems like they were tweaking it along yeah. the way a little bit anyway. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It, the actors looked yeah. like it, it was more comfortable later in the year. I felt, you know, they weren't yeah. struggling against the, uh, the so appliances. So they, they either much. got used to it or it was tweaked or some of each. <laughs> or Yeah, or a little of each. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Mm-hmm. And speaking of uh, makeups... They showed off a few little aliens, a few, just a few mm-hmm. quick glimpses of aliens. One of them we'd actually seen before. He was used in episode four. He's kind of a big-headed alien that was seen once and then never really seen on the bridge again. But I guess they'll rotate back through in season two. And then the, the thing I think that is potentially cooler is there was sort of a lizard person being made up by Joel McKinnon, one of the, the main makeup artists there mm-hmm. on Discovery. And I kind of hope that this is their version of a saurian because that's a that's kind of an interesting almost forgotten race that was invented Absolutely. for the motion picture yeah but yep. but that's been talked about for years yeah, and years exactly because yep. gee saurian brandy right you know yeah yep. so um it would be cool if they're putting a more modern touch on this right. lizard race and can, we get to can, see I, for can i use that as a, as a little opportunity to talk about nostalgia and 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 sort of obedience to canon and stuff like that please do please do i i I think there's a lot of you know nostalgia and and obedience to canonicity that gets overdone right and i think the mirror universe is a good example of that and i'm i think there's a point that there's like an over-reliance on that and the Mm -hmm. kind of thing i'm more interested in is them exploring parts of the universe that are there that'll give us a little chuckle as longtime fans but that haven't been overdone, right? Yes, So absolutely. something like, hey, we're going to show Asarian in the background, and when he's in off hours, uh, he'll offer people, would you like some brandy or whatever, and we'll have a little chuckle, but it won't <laughs> be... A little chuckle, right. But it won't be too over the top. It won't be, hey, we don't want know what else to do, so we're going to go to the Mirror Universe for four episodes, or, you know, um, uh, other instances of, of over-reliance on stuff that's that's been done kind of to death like i I don't want to see i don't want to see uh the guardian of forever right no i think that that would be too much um i think all the spock stuff is actually going a little bit overboard uh but asarian that's terrific that's what that's what we should be seeing right Mm. that's the right kind of sprinkling in of like races we barely know and we should see more of absolutely yeah 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 I, i i very much hope that they they do that little enterprise arc at the beginning of the season and yep. then go off and do their own thing. I they have to. They so just have well. to. Yeah. Yeah. I would very much like to see this show become its own show and not be relying on the mythology too much. 
yeah, I mean, there's a whole sort of open universe of about, where are we, about eight years before the original series now? At yeah, this point. Like that. So, I mean, that's a long time. They can go off and do new things and explore other things. Yes, go out on the frontier a little bit, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because we know in, in the original series, like, it was, the galaxy was very much not explored yet. There's a lot you can get into, you know? There's a lot to get into, there's a lot to see. Yep. Yeah. So... Hopefully they do that. I, I, I don't want to see an entire... I have to be honest with you. I don't want to see an entire season of the Enterprise and, no. and the Discovery. And I don't want to see Christopher Pike being captain of the Discovery for the yeah. entire season. Because oh, I think that's gosh. a possibility, too. I think there's a I, decent chance that, that's going to happen. Yeah, we're, we sort of have odds on whether he... Because remember, they need a captain at the moment. And there's some kind of distress call. There's a, there's a situation, right, that they're responding to, to the Enterprise at the end of season one. So he could go, look, I'm common, you know, I'm taking command of discovery i need it for this plan and then you know what for five episodes you know half the season kind of thing we have him until they drop him back off and see this is the way we we dodge spock right is spock and number one go take the enterprise and go off somewhere else once they repair whatever thing they're in a crisis with or whatever right and and pike goes okay well i need you know this crew of the discovery and your unique equipment or whatever to do x right so let's go off and have some adventure for half the season with Pike in command. And I think that's, you know, there's good odds that that might be it. Well, yeah, I hope we're that, wrong. I, that I hope has we're the wrong. ring of truth. Right? Yeah, exactly. It feels kind of right. So I hope we're wrong, honestly. But I mean, I'd rather just they do a two-parter at the beginning to try to give them a little jolt and then yep. go off and do their own thing after that. Yes, even absolutely. half the season is too much. Oh, I agree. So we'll find out. That's what I was saying. Like, we're going to be keeping an eye on kind of who people say are in Toronto. Because it will give us, and in about two weeks, once they're done with the second episode, if suddenly we see people, you know, back at home, well, okay, that's good news in a way. That means he didn't, you know, Anson Mount didn't stay up there for, more, you know, more than two episodes. Or, mm-hmm. so, the other the other thing I was sort of kicking around with some folks on the Slack is, it could be that Pike just becomes reoccurring, which I still don't love. Because that basically means, like, every once in a while, you'll still, you'll run back into the Enterprise and, like, you'll check in with him sort of thing, which is better, but maybe still not really the way they should go. Yeah. Well, and the yeah. problem is like you, you can't, and this is a, one of the problems I think with generations than the movie is you can't mm-hmm. be your own hero. If somebody else who's been our hero for longer is there overshadowing you. Yeah. Because we know Captain mm-hmm. Pike has this distinguished career. He is about to become a fleet captain in like, you know, a few, like eight years ish or so. And so, we know he does amazing things whatever it is we haven't seen it on screen yet but we know he's you know done amazing things right so it's hard to get out from him oh well we shall see we shall see we shall see that's it that's really interesting from the video that was the the interesting bits yes yeah i mean this i mean yeah yeah all you can do is really glean little oh yeah we're we're yeah, trying to paste, pe- cut, copy and paste right. things together and try and glean right. little stuff. Right. We're, this is all it's not a true, yeah. Right. It's not a true trailer or anything, so you're not getting any sense of tone no. or anything. And of course, they, just... don't, they don't want to show us anything of the plot because, well, that's like spoilers. And they're yeah, super, of course. They're super adverse to that. So we just right. get little, little views of snippets of things. Right. And much like last summer, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a full trailer oh, for yeah. San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, I fully expect it. I think it's probably the same timeline where they... Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. start I mean, to narrow I think down. We, right, and I still yeah. think the show. We're gonna. I think we all kind of agree that the show will be back before the end of the year. So. I don't. I don't see how they can't do that. Yeah, I yeah. think they have yeah. to. They have yeah, to at least. This get is this is not Game of Thrones where they can drag it out as long as they want and people will yes. wait for it. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, they have to. They have to start building some momentum for themselves. So. Yes. Yes, indeed. So we'll see. So we'll see. Now, meanwhile, across town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Across town. Across town on the Paramount lot, uh, we found out a lot about Paramount's potential yeah. plans this for is the exciting. future film franchise. Yeah, it this is. is exciting. Paramount's new CEO, uh, Jim Giannopoulos, was at CinemaCon, which is a industry convention. It runs about a week every year. Mm-hmm. Where studios come out every day and promote their new films and show exclusive clips, blah, 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 blah. This is so theater owners get basically get hyped to distribute, like to show their show, show their films, right. basically. Yeah. Right. And while he was there, he mentioned that not one but two Star Trek films were in the works. Yes, and that was very exciting. <laughs> yeah, that kind of threw everybody off because, yeah. I mean, as far as anybody knew, the only thing that was in any real production stage was the Tarantino Star Trek film. Yeah. As it turned out, that script that we had heard about a while ago that J.J. Abrams had mentioned during the Beyond Press Junket, the one involving George Kirk, that's the other film. Oh, interesting. That that was suddenly back on the table, and more than just back on the table. I think we thought that that script and the Tarantino script were maybe duking it out for who gets to be next. Right. And, hey, actually they both are. Right. Yeah, it turns out that they're kind of being developed at the same time. Mm-hmm. This would obviously create the premise behind this is that Chris Pine's Jim Kirk will end up running into his father through some sort of time travel device. Huh. Yep. And somehow Chris Hemsworth will return to play George Kirk. With a hefty pay raise. Now that he's I, yes, I would assume so. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because he was a nobody when he made yeah, the it, first Star yeah. Trek movie. Yep, that basically got him on the map to where he is in the Marvel universe it, it, now. It mm. did. Yeah. So plus lots and lots of steroids. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, hard work and chicken and rice. Sorry. <laughs> lean, Sorry. Lean protein and working <laughs> out, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yes, Chris Hemsworth is, is jacked. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, this was something that, obviously, like I just mentioned, J.J. Abrams had mentioned during the Beyond Press Junket a couple of years ago. I think yeah. everybody at the time kind of thought he was full of shit. Yeah, because he basically jumped the gun. He was supposed to be hyping Beyond and was like, nah, whatever, how about this one? We've got another one in the works. And it was like, really? Right. Really, guy? Right. So. This is going to be uh, a father-son story, I guess? I guess so. So, this is officially the fourth movie in the Kelvin universe, then. Right, right. This would be the fourth movie. Um, and then we found out the same day, actually, that the Discovery trailer came out, we found out that the film's director has been chosen, mm-hmm. and it's S.J. Clarkson, who has done a lot of, um, she's typically a television director. I think she's done a bunch of genre shows like Jessica Jones, Defenders, Bates Hotel, and a lot of other stuff, including a lot yeah. of British TV. Yeah, she's British, as I, I believe. So she's yeah. done a bunch of stuff for the BBC. Yeah, she's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She has a rather impressive, lengthy list of credits. 
Um, so she's going to be the director of the fourth film. She's the first female director of a Star Trek feature. There's been female directors of Star Trek TV shows, but she'll yes. be the first she's female the first. director of a feature film. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, good yeah. news. Absolutely. And I Absolutely. think it's I think it's good to try uh, take somebody you know a different point of view. Probably take somebody who's been doing sort of one thing and she's expressed interest in doing features i was reading an interview with her and she even said look i've done lots of tv i like it but i wouldn't mind doing a feature film if it the right one came my way so mm-hmm. i guess i guess you know star trek was the right one for her which hmm, is cool right. um i know that a lot of people will go on a tangent for a second if you'll permit me a lot of people are worried that she's a tv director mm. and i think that's sort of uh, a silly kind of worry for for a few reasons one is of course the, the these genre shows that we just named off are all kind of the prestige top of the line shows that are already taking cinematic cues you know in, in their style mm-hmm. so i i don't think there's a worry there in, as far as that goes and then another thing is is um trek has a history of lots of people who were tv directors or had only directed one or two movies before coming to direct mm-hmm. Meyer hadn't had directed wait two movies right i think before the wrath of khan um, no one or one right yeah just one time after time time, time after time. time right so there you go and um and of course the the biggest you know tv to film person that's in house is of course jonathan frakes he got himself right. sort of went from tv to movies with that um and there's just lots of them i mean david carson was a tv director and then directed generations you yep. know, just just things like that that, you know, to to be worried about her having mostly a TV repertoire is not really. I don't think it's anything to actually be worried about. You know, what yeah, I mean? I'm not too I, fussed about I, it. I yeah. think I think what it is though is people getting flashbacks of sort of the the Berman team struggling to move the TNG crew from a successful TV show to a relatively unsuccessful film franchise. So I think that may be why there's uh, uh, some. Sure. Some hesitance. Sure. But but I think all the points you've made are valid. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. So I just Jared, wanted... Jared's right though. I that that I think that is part of the reticence. Oh sure. And that's just, actually a good yeah. point, is there there is this wow, well, yeah, you know, transitioning is hard and how do you do it? But the only thing about that is is that this was never a TV series. We don't have a transition. This has always been right. A true, film yeah, series, so yep, we'll see, yep, right? I absolutely. mean, it's, it's, it's a it's kind of a new mm-hmm. it's a new game for the Trek, you know, franchise. Yeah, in that yeah sense. I'm not too fussed about her being there. I'm more no, no. kind of concerned about the actual plot. Yes, me too, me too. <laughs> I, I I really I was really hoping, uh, with all due respect to the screenwriters, because they seem like nice guys who were fairly talented. Because this is the second time they've been asked to work on a Trek script. By the way, um, mm-hmm. I just was hoping this was going to die because I. Uh, Chris Pine and his and his version of Kirk have made such a great arc in the three Kelvin movies that we got. He started out as you know kind of a jerk frat boy, which that version of Kirk kind of makes sense that he was. He starts to get um, kind of really slapped down hard in some of his brash decisions during Into Darkness. He sees that, feels the weight of that towards the end of that movie, that movie obviously, right, and then. Um, I think by the time Beyond catches up to him, he's you know obviously he's a little whirl he's a little weary, but at the same time he's got a lot he's a lot wiser I think than he was before, and that's a really great place to be, and I don't think we need him circling back to, like, 
you know, teenage daddy issues when he finally moved away from that as a mm. character. Mm. So that's one of my concerns is what does this look like? How does this work? Because does that sort of regress the progress we've seen, you know, with this version of Kirk? What does it do, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm not particularly too enamored of the idea of watching a 40-year-old Chris Pine try <laughs> to work out his daddy issues with, <laughs> with Thor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with yeah, Thor. Yeah, with Thor. So, I mean, so we'll I hope see. they prove me wrong. I yeah. hope it's a great character piece and it it really helps evolve the character of Chris Pine's Jim Kirk. That would be great. I hope so. I, 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 hope, hope, so. I'm, I hope I'm dead wrong. But yeah. based on the initial impressions, I was just kind of like, ugh. Yeah. And of course, once again, we need some kind of timey-wimey thing to make it work, which <laughs> could we please not, really? Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah, it, it seems beyond uh, Chris Hemsworth's star power there's no compelling story reason to do this right i think it's literally right. hey thor we we gave thor a boost in in 2009 let's yeah. use him again you know for, yeah for butts right. and let's, seats kind of thing let's activate a uh, um a clause in his contract <laughs> maybe yeah something like that so, so we'll see um but it's kind of nice to know that they've got some real confidence in the trek franchise to the point where they're like no, really, both of these things that we've heard about are going forward. And, right. you know, that's that's great. That's really uh, encouraging to hear. Right. And then we've got the Tarantino thing. You want to talk about that, Matt? Yeah, sure. So this is also exciting because now we know it's not duking it out with the uh, Chris Hemsworth, ver- you know, fourth movie. This will be a fifth movie of sorts. And I say of sorts because I don't think it, it's not supposed to be the fifth Kelvin movie necessarily. This is what was sort of the interesting kind of bombshell that was dropped was, hey, not only are these two still being developed independently, but um, the, Justin Kroll, who's a reporter for Variety, dropped this kind of little note in his write-up that said, oh, yeah, it's understood that the Tarantino film would be set in a separate timeline. Huh. And, and actually, we missed that on our first sort of go-round of news on a roundup on the website for a little bit. And then as we sort of circled back to it and saw that the author had tweeted more details and we went, whoa, how did we miss that? That's a big deal. So um, he, you know, people started tweeting him and I said, wait, did you just really say that it's going to be its own thing? And so he said, yeah, he he did. So his, his tweet says, yeah. So for those asking, yes, QT Star Trek film still happening. What happened after this latest film would be separate from Pine World and could essentially reboot new set of films. So, so okay, well, yeah. I I feel good about that development having that. Yeah, confirmed. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, about Yeah, it's that. intriguing. It's, it's intriguing. very intriguing. Oh, the other good piece of news is that he also confirmed that since this is coming later, they expect Tarantino to direct it himself. Oh which wow! Is super cool. Wow. Yeah, which is very interesting because before we weren't sure if he was just gonna you know pitch the idea and then sort of maybe be a producer or something that's more hands-off. Right. We weren't sure. Right. So that's a big he, deal. He should yeah. play like a, a different version of Jean-Luc Picard, who actually seems like a Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because he can actually speak French. Hmm. Quentin can? No, uh, Christoph Waltz. Oh, uh, I'll have Christoph Waltz play Picard. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Hmm. People like that idea. I've seen that around, actually. Christoph oh, have Waltz you? Would be would be a good like sort of tng rebooted person but anywho yeah so so the separate timeline thing is is mind-blowing what does that mean yes you know yeah 
what yeah. does that mean? Does that mean he's just going to grab any actors he wants? Does it mean it's going to be like this Tarantino cast with all new characters? Does it mean he's going to pull, I don't know, Patrick Stewart from one part and pull, yeah, I don't know, somebody else? Because right. like, all these people like a, have, have come a, out of the woodwork and said that if Tarantino's you know writing and directing, they would be in they would go oh, that's, wow. a, that's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, Patrick no shit, came right? out right but, away and said but, that. Yeah, but but still, hey, there you go. I mean, Patrick Stewart, who has been very, in recent interviews, he's been very, you know, hesitant to say that he would ever go back to being Picard. Because you know, when he when he re- reprised his role in Logan, people were like, "Well, you did that for the X Men series. Would you do that, you know, for Star Trek?" And he was kind of like, "Oh, no, no, no." And the Tarantino thing came out and then he was like oh well if it's tarantino yeah i would i would totally do yeah. that huh. so it's made people a lot of really excited now i i would say i don't think that's the case you know yeah like, I don't my think guess so, yeah. would be um also note that the keyword is separate timeline not back a lot of people want this to mean back to the prime timeline i don't yeah. think that's the case either for hmm. various reasons i think one of them is the business reason which is that um Oh, by the way, this is still all being developed with Bad Bad Robot and under their production office, like for Paramount. Um, I right. kind of don't think that. I'm pretty sure that they're supposed to kind of keep to their version. Um, right. It, we don't know, of course, the details because God knows it's very convoluted. Whatever these details are between CBS and Paramount about who gets what and when and where, but it sure seems like that there's sort of an agreement that they keep their sandbox away from CBS's sandbox, right? So, I'm pretty sure it would just be a whole new sandbox that Tarantino was inventing. Right. Yeah. We'll see. It's very, very interesting. So, that one is, I mean, if they do this one, it's at least, I don't know, 2021 maybe or something? Yeah, I, mean, I would say so. It's going to yeah. be a while. Yeah, Yeah, because he's he's not going to wrap his... his um, his current film until later this year, and I think it comes out next July. Yeah, oh, wow. that sounds right. Yeah, and so then he's gonna want time to polish the Star Trek script, and then he's gonna have to go into pre-production. And if it's a whole separate timeline, that means new sets. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's a big thing. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that I, could 21, be... 21 sounds right. Yeah, twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. gonna be soon. So. Yeah. But very intriguing, very yes. intriguing. This is all very exciting news. Yeah, yeah, that that really, I think, perked up a lot of people when they heard that. It did, yeah. So, yeah, that's probably the most exciting piece of news I've heard in the past few weeks. Is Yeah, all of this was, this was all happened in the, about the same week, so it was very exciting. Yes. We yeah. got that uh, start of production video for Discovery. We got the news about, no, really, they are doing two movies, you know, back at the Paramount side. Names started being dropped, you know, about director it was all very exciting late last week yep. it was a very busy yep. exciting moment yep lots more to come everyone mm-hmm. all right i think we've covered most of the highlights from the past couple of weeks i think hopefully we did. this hopefully hopefully this thing won't be dated by the time it's published <laughs> oh i know I absolutely so, so much stuff's been coming out lately that you never know you know it's fun though so. it gives us gives us uh, um more to keep us busy yes yes so anyway we have one more thing um that matt would like to speak about and i will chime in here and there as well take it away mr wright yes as a as a 
big original series fan. That's sort of my first Trek love, as you might say. Um, and mine as well. Yes, I think, I think, and there's a lot of us out there that, of course, you know, either were raised on TOS because that was the only Star Trek for quite a while, or at least were introduced to it first, or whatever. However you came about it, maybe you found it through the Abrams films and fell in love with it too. Um, there's there's some stuff that I keep seeing repeated, and it's over the years it's gotten more and more to be considered just sort of like folk wisdom. Like, it's just assume that these things are true. Mm. And it's starting to really drive me bananas because we're seeing it all over, like, other sort of press and sometimes even the discovery folks kind of say this which sort of hurts me a little i wish they wouldn't say things about the original series in this manner because it's just not fair um yeah. and, and not true and just not true and and, and i want to say the expertise that i think a lot of people claim for being able to make some of these comments is having seen galaxy quest right that's the this good point jared this is what i'm talking about how in the sort of you know, collective, like, kind of pop culture consciousness, it's be- the the joke has become the reality, right? People, this kind of, lo- like, Galaxy Quest is a very loving, you know, homage to it with a little bit of a joke about it. But mm-hmm. people have sort of taken that and then amplified it, right? Oh, that was totally how it was. That must be. So, Matt, what, what really set you off? So explain. So, so like, let's, what, I, think, yeah. I think the biggest thing is this idea that everything was cheap, right? TOS was done on the cheap. It was a cheap piece of crap. It was made of cardboard. It was this. It was that. I, you see this repeated by fans. You see this repeated by people in like the sort of you know nerd press. You see this all over the place, mm-hmm. and that's um, just ridiculously unfair and not true. Um, of course, the sets were made of two by fours and plywood because that's what sets are still, by the way among other things, yeah. made of. Yeah, um, but I don't know what people think Discovery sets are made of. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the mo- modern <laughs> sets have a wood structure underneath them, and then they've got built up with other cool, like, newer materials. Right. But right. the structure is still 2x4s and plywood, and then built up with other materials, right? Like, right. what do you guys... Okay, come on. And so, yes, occasionally you could hear the floor squeak uh, or something, and it reminded you that, oh, yeah, it was made of wood. Guess what? Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I actually, when the Blu-ray remasters of um, TNG came out, I noticed for the first time ever that in Encounter at Farpoint, when they go into the old, uh, the Battle Bridge set, which was, of course, a reuse, a redress of the, the emotion picture bridge. Yeah. Oh, that thing squeaks. I, I, you can oh, hear it squeak. It? Yeah. And it's like, you know what? That's that, that, see, and that set had been well used by them, right? That was right. a well used set. Look, that's life. It's not. It's not perfect. No, and then all the other subsequent Star Trek series, TNG, all of them, those sets are made of wood, right? Mm-hmm. With with like some fiberglass or and sort of metal right. shell right. on top, right? Yeah, they have some nice dressing on top of it. Okay, right. so so no, it was not made of cardboard, and it was not cheap. Like uh, one of the things that I think people don't like about it is that you can tell that there are seams because that's how they shot in the bridge, as they would pull a piece out, right? Like mm-hmm. okay whatever what do you want from that like that that's again that's part of the era it's in that's not that it's cheap that's the era they didn't have cameras that were super easy to like mount and swing in like today they actually designed this as for example in enterprise they purposely tried to make that set really easy to shoot in really the you know had built-in lighting right they built in both the lighting that was on the set was also good for like you know lighting in the real world they, they tried very purposefully 
to make it better. And of course, that's what they've been doing on Discovery too. They're all they, these days. They're now built to have cameras, you know, swoop in from the top. All kinds of things that were never. Mm-hmm. That's not even going to happen in 1966. Cameras were huge. They were on giant dollies. I mean, it doesn't doesn't work like that. They okay. they had film in them. Right? They had real film in them. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh. Although there were cool dolly shots in the bridge of the Enterprise oh, in the original true. series. true. But again, they pulled out wedges to do that. They, they rigged stuff to do that. You know, it wasn't easy, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. okay, can we give them a little break here? Again, still not cardboard, still not cheap, just what was done of the era, right? Right. Um, and then the other thing about cheap, just to, to put some numbers on it, is that um, the cage, when it was commissioned in 1964, was actually considered a very risky, expensive proposition for a pilot. It was a, in 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 some. It was somewhere around six hundred thirty thousand dollars, which Whoa. was a ton Richard. in that time for yeah. a pilot the, the, that that they don't yeah. even know is sold. Right? No one's. They're not sure. That's five million in today's money. Um, wow. So, so it's not. You know, sure. Like some. You know, Game of Thrones spends that much per episode or whatever. But like, think about that. Like, if that's if they're spending five million bucks on a. We, we see we don't blink an eye at spending five million bucks on Star Trek because it's a proven franchise. Imagine right. doing that for this podunk thing that nobody really knows what it is. They don't know if it's going right. to sell, right? Yeah. yeah. So let's not let's not say that the, that's cheap because it wasn't. That was actually one of the most expensive pilots that they greenlit uh, in that era in the sixties. Okay. Mm. Just drives me bananas that people say that when no, that's not true, right? Wow. And and the Enterprise bridge set. Was a very sophisticated machine. Yeah, and especially yeah, oh, absolutely, and especially when they made those revisions to it for the you know the final sort of series version had even more mm-hmm. panels, more lights, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like look, they, and that's one of those things that's not in this cost is they actually revised it after the cage, they revised it before going to series, right? So more things mm-hmm. were te- tweaked, more costumes were made, you know, new new costumes were made, and it's like look, it wasn't cheap. No. Um, sure, they had they ran into constraints like budget constraints, but that's not the same thing as saying it was cheap, right? Right. right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, that's an indication yeah. of the opposite, actually. Once you start right. looking into budget problems, right? Star Trek was an extraordinarily ambitious show. For it was. network television in the mid '60s. It very much and was. No, it was the first of its kind. There had been nothing like it before, and because it didn't hit as a big nielsen juggernaut it never had the money to do the show that they wanted to do right so yeah so yeah there were corners cut there's some awful looking stuff at times especially in season three when they were really got their yeah slashed yeah when they really got yeah i mean they they simply didn't have the the ability to do it but but it's not be it's not due to a uh, yeah, it's not due to cutting corners it's not doing the cheaping out no it's it's making do with with a fairly generous weekly television yeah. budget. The, the, um, when you compare the budgets uh, of sort of other 60s genre shows, right? It fall, uh, Star Trek falls kind of in the middle of the pack, which mm. is really interesting to, to think about. But a few things got more. Interestingly, uh, um, things like Land of the Lost got more, which is weird. Oh, Land of the Giants. Land of the Lost is 70s, excuse me. Land of the Giants got a little bit more money, which is really weird because Irwin Allen did stuff on the cheap all the time. So I don't know how that works. But basically, TOS fell sort of towards the middle kind of top range of the pack of other shows, you know, like Mission Impossible, Mm -hmm. which was also another, you know, Desilu show being shot at the same time, things like that. And so it's not, no, okay? It wasn't cheap. 
it wasn't being you know done you know they weren't tying the purse strings off unreasonably so it was just really hard to execute the vision right mm-hmm. and this goes back to the okay so the other thing that people say specifically about the visual effects is i've still seen this set and in fact i actually read a thing um an interview with a paramount archivist which really hurts me that someone who works for paramount thought this that described when they were working on archiving the star trek feature films because that's what paramount owns she described the feature films as having things like strung on wires and i'm like no that's never been that's absolutely never been true and especially not of the feature films um yes of course things were mounted and flown or whatever but they were never like cheap models hung from fishing line in front of you know black construction paper where somebody poked out a star field but that's what a lot of people have in their mind Mm -hmm. and in fact Mm -hmm. we see this kind of idea repeated in pop culture the one thing that was most recently brings us to mind is they actually did this um in the black mirror episode that's sort of trek trekish you know vaguely the cows they they had yeah right they had that his old tv show when they showed it totally had things like hanging from fishing line in front of a little you know punched out right. starfield mm. but that not to pick on that episode even more well so not to pick on that episode because it's otherwise it's its own thing but it gives you an idea of that's how pervasive this idea is that tos was done just on you know just fuck you know just terribly cheap no it was not at all they used no. top of the line blue screen photography blue screen stuff was expensive man expensive yeah. to do yeah it was what yeah. feature films used it was not what tv right. shows did right um, and they were using sometimes two or three different effects houses to get the work done right they were cranking out effects houses on a tv show yeah <laughs> on a tv and, and of course like the effects houses were like really you want us to do this for a tv show and, and for that budget you know i mean it, it, it was crazy right and, and a lot of these guys, by the way, who worked in these effects houses, a number of them went on to do really prestigious things like work at I, like found and work at ILM and things like that. So, I mean, let's, let's not call it cheap. It wasn't. Again, no. you know, it has limitations from its era. But mm. in its era, it was quite impressive and quite expensive, you know, overall, especially for right. a TV show. Yes, so very it, much it so. It just drives me bananas to, that people think, oh, there's this... You know, TOS is this thing with dangling from you know dangling from a fishing line up in a corner, and they're they're filming it. That now, to be fair, that actually happened. I think exactly once, and that was when they had the Enterprise go by on K seven from the office of K seven. But yeah, but that but that's shot in the background. Yeah, it actually that, doesn't that's, look bad. That's a, yeah, that's a background cheat. Whatever, right. who cares? Like the real the real beauty stuff was shot very expensively. You know, mm-hmm. very time intensively, yeah. and it just drives me nuts that we see this repeated again and again in you know sort of pop culture websites. And I'm sad to say that I've heard people working on Discovery repeat this. And it oh man, it drives me bananas. Especially yeah. more than one person from more, more than too. one person, yeah. unfortunately, has said yeah. this. And it goes back to the don't confuse, you know the running into limitations of the era and limitations of the budget for the era with cheap. That's not cheap, right? So just kills me. Yeah. You know, one of the, um, I know that the Mark Cushman books on the original series are controversial, but one of the things that was included in the season one mm-hmm. book 
was multiple accounts of people coming to visit the Star Trek sets, mm -hmm. and everybody wanted to see the bridge. Right. It was because impressive. it was impressive. You didn't even see that in science fiction movies in those days, the Enterprise, mm. the Enterprise Bridge. Yeah. Everybody tends to forget that. One of the reasons why the... And TOS is very dated looking. Look, by the time I started watching the original series in, in the late 70s, early 80s, it was already very dated looking. Right. But, and, and that's it a was. matter of style, not cheapness, Again, just right. to be fair, you know? And one of the reasons it dated so quickly is because I think it was between sometime in Star Trek second season, Stanley Kubrick released 2001. Yep. 2001 completely, changed everything. <laughs> it changed everything. It yeah. reinvented what science fiction movies were supposed to look like. Yes, it did. Star Wars borrowed from it. The motion picture, Star Trek, the motion picture, very much borrowed. Oh, very from much it. so. Yeah. A lot of science fiction that's come out in the past fifty years has elements of two thousand one's production design in it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it made the original Star Trek, which looked perfectly fine for the era it was made in, look very dated very quickly because Stanley right. Kubrick had untold millions of dollars to build a discovery and lot and lots more time than you have on a weekly tv show right exactly right. so yeah, yeah. so like that that is that aids the perception of the original series right right very good point it's just it's just it's just hard to be like yeah and again as jared said that's also apples and oranges you're talking about something that came along spent an immense amount of money for its era yeah yeah I mean, immense. Kubrick's name basically is the reason why that thing was even made because they hit so many budgetary issues and all kinds of other stuff. It was his sheer sort of force and his his you know name that that pushed it through. Like, no, I'm going to make this you know epic um, science fiction you know movie that's going to be weird and it's going to be different and it's going to look amazing and it's going to blow people's minds, which it did. Right. And right. then and the world was never the same, you know. No. No. <laughs> No. Ultimately, Star Trek's ambitions exceeded its budget. That's what it comes down to, mm, and yeah. that's what people are seeing. And the part that, that's kind of funny is that's always been true. Talk to the guys that worked on TNG, right? The, the Berminator guys will gladly tell you that every time they wanted to do cool stuff, they hit a problem, right? Mm -hmm. They hit a technical limitation, even through Enterprise, because then they were freed up somewhat with CG. But you know what? The CG wasn't all that amazing during Enterprise's era, right? It was okay. And so even then, they had limitations. Mm -hmm. There's always some sort of limitation that you run into. You are a product of the era, right. always. Right, And so I, I, it, just, it just really drives me bananas when people, you know, sort of spit on it. And it's like, yeah, but you're doing that from, you know, the 2010s. Like this, you know, this, the 21st century, you're doing that. That's absolutely not the right thing right. to judge it by. Now, Matt, was there, was there anything about this you wanted to say in the context of the new uh, Lost in Space show on Netflix? Oh, well, this is a slightly separate issue, but one that sort of chaps my hide slightly, too. If you'll permit me to be slightly more shake-fisting, you know, like fist-shaking. Wow. Shake, anyway. shake away. <laughs> <laughs> that was okay. So, and no kids, I'm not drunk. Um, <laughs> um, well, there is a little thing that uh, another, you know, big kind of, genre video gaming whatever website came out and did you know i know they're trying to make a hook for this thing but it it's makes it really unfair to somehow compare lost in space with star trek and they were trying to do it to the what do the current iterations look like because lost in space has had you know a very new modern reboot of sorts on netflix now and they referred to them both 
as, oh, campy old shows, right, effectively. And I'm thinking, no, 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 that's totally unfair of the original series. The original series was never set out to be, you know, a sort of goofy, kid-friendly show, whereas Lost in Space was always set up for that. Um, it was always supposed to be, you know, Swiss Family Robinson in space. And then over time, of course, they figured out that, hey, the kids really like the robot and Dr. Smith and, you know, Will going off and getting into trouble. So they started to sort of drop the adventure part and go really into, like, goofy little happenings and, you right. know, mysterious accidents where Will falls into this and the robot tells sort Dr. Of, Smith that and it becomes goofy. and sort of, sort of like Lassie. Yeah, exactly. It becomes very much like Lassie. Um, where, you know, somebody runs to tell someone that some crazy thing happened. And, I mean, we're talking about a show that in its final season had talking vegetables. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah, I just, it, they're not even in the same league. And no, so no. I understand that they were trying to pitch like a cute little article. Right. But again, this is the thing that you, it's, this goes back to this thing where looking back on it, people are very dismissive of it. Right. And, and unfairly so have sort of lumped it in as, ooh, it's old, and it, oh, it must be campy, because yeah. that's the only way you could appreciate old things, right, is for its mm. ironic value. Mm. It's like, no. The original Star Trek had Harlan Ellison. Mm-hmm. It had Theodore Sturgeon. It had Robert Block. It had yeah. Jerome Bigsby. Yeah. Which, uh, th- this was stuff. You know. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> stuff. like heavy hitters of the era. So, to be clear, I'm not trying to convince anyone that the original series is the most amazing thing and if you're not a fan of it you should be that's not my point at all you can love trek however you would like to love it i don't absolutely i don't have any problems with that trek is a big canvas of you know Mm -hmm. different eras which is exactly one of the points i was trying to make is trek is filled with different eras you can like it you can hate parts of the whatever the problem here is is just simply calling it you know things that it just wasn't like don't you know you're judging it people sort of quickly judge it way out of context and mm-hmm. it just kills me when I hear stuff like that because it's become, it's become the sort of common, common sense, you know, quote unquote, about the original series is that it was cheap, it was old, it was campy. Like, sure, we might call it campy, perhaps now it was never set up to be that way. And, right. if, and if you want to see something campy, go watch Lost in Space, like the original Lost in mm. Space. That was camp for, mm. purposefully. So was, for example... Batman was right. camp. For example, oh, Batman yeah, yeah. was very much so, especially by the third season. They were leaning hard into the camp idea in mm. Batman 66, which I love, mm. but that, but I love it, and I, and I know that about it. it. It was supposed to be campy, and it was supposed to be for, you know, eight-year-old kids. Star Trek was supposed to be for eight-year-olds and adults and everyone in between, right? Mm-hmm. It was supposed to speak to all kinds of people. So that's what kind of just chaps my hide, if you will. Grinds your gears. Exactly. Grinds my gears. And it's come up a lot in the last couple of months. So I saw it come up again this week and decided, hey, we kind of have a, you know, we kind of have a, just a quick newsy update to the pod. So if my co-hosts were very nice to indulge me in this, I appreciate that. No, I like it. Good, good, uh, good uh, diatribe. (laughs) Absolutely. I and, wholeheartedly agree with everything. And uh, and topical with the Lost in Space stuff. Mm-hmm. Indeed. 
Which I I've never seen I've never seen any of that I never saw the the movie with Joey in the late nineties. Oh well, well that you're not missing out on. That was not a very good movie. <laughs> mm. Wasn't that written by Akiva Goldsman? Why? Oh, why, why Brian? I think you're right. Uh-huh. Yes, mm, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I believe you're correct there, sir. Indeed. Mm. But I do want to check this new show out. I haven't had a chance to. Yeah, it, it, the original one was charming for what yeah, it was. I got a kick out of it. And I have to say, that. I actually have always really liked the first season of Lost in Space when it was still in black and white. It was still much more of a. Um, They're still clinging to the Swiss Family Robinson idea instead of mm-hmm. the you know goofy trio idea that became later. There's some mm. really cool stuff. There's a cool two-parter with, with um, called the Keeper with Michael Rainey, who was you know from. Um, Day of the Earth stood still. Day of the Earth still. Yeah. Has a as a you know an alien zookeeper basically. It has a lot of cool creepy themes that because of that it sort of reminds one of say the cage you know or something mm-hmm. like that. It's a little mm-hmm. outer limitsy feeling because of that too. Mm. So there's some there's some cool stuff like worked into the first season, and then when they realize what's you know what's 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 you know driving the ratings, they go crazy in into the camp into the you know into the other stuff. But yep. the first season's pretty cool actually. Huh, I should check it out. And I hear the reboot's yeah, quite some quite different, but quite good as well. I actually haven't watched it yet. I plan to. I plan to. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, I, I do have a... I know I haven't had a Treknik doll for a while, but I, I, yeah. I have one. I was uh, oh, yeah. delighted to share. Okay, Yay. so... By all means. So this is a Treknik dote, and it's also a, a Today I Learned type of thing, right? You know, the TIL, like mm-hmm. we, we see on the internet sometimes. So mm-hmm. I was in Thailand recently for vacation, and the term used to describe foreigners, such as myself, is farang, F-A-R-A-N-G. And it's kind of mm-hmm. got a little bit of a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was, I was looking it up on Wikipedia afterwards, just reading about it. And apparently the word farang is where writers from TNG got the word Ferengi. No way. That, no that's way. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they got wow. it from like the Southeast Asian term for foreigner. So I thought that was kind of clever. No way. Yeah. Holy shit, that's cool. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I also, that's, I, that's super I really cool. admire people who knew esoteric things before the internet. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, right. That's definitely somebody did some deep dive into something or knew something about. That's impressive. That who, did Gene invent the Ferengi? I forget. He sort of did, yes. His okay. version was kind of ridiculous. So I'm not sure who really yeah, dialed yeah. it in, but yeah. Yeah, I'll have to do a little reading on that. Wow, that's so cool, Jared. Yeah, I'm right. good. I'm glad you guys like that. And well, yeah. and that's yeah. something when I learned it, I said, oh, I assume Matt and Brian have known this for 20 years. No, I've actually never nope. heard that. That's no awesome. Clue. That's a beautiful thing about Star Trek's history. It's so dense and yeah. lengthy at this point that mm-hmm. there's always something new to learn. Yeah, there's, not, there's nothing comparable to it. No, no, it really isn't. It really isn't. Anyway, I think uh, I think we've covered everything, boys. We did. This is good. Um, thank you for listening to us and indulging us in our little uh, editorial there at the end. Yes. Please, I hope you guys have made it all the way through. <laughs> yes, we hope you survived it and we didn't drive you away. So, anyway, we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. This is Brian, Jared, and Matt, and we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Take care, everybody.